thanks for joining us again. We've pivoted slightly, Jared. Gonna have to put uh, John Wick on the back burner slightly, even mm. though we've sort of popped it out there that we we would do it as the next episode. It'll be the next episode. But we thought we'd get in on Fear Street. Fear Street Part One, 1994, is today's episode. But before we get to that, Jared, let's discuss what we have been watching. What have you been viewing recently? I've watched a fair bit, actually. Um, as I was just Shit, saying to you, a bit fucking of... else to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, you know, school holidays. So yeah. Obviously, watched a bit of Love on the Spectrum. Ah, uh, yeah, um, yeah. You know, warmed the warmed the fucking shriveled prune <laughs> that is my heart. Your heart was beating like a jackhammer, was it? <laughs> yeah, it's a good show. It's a good show. Was it in the subcockle area? <laughs> yeah, yeah, subcockles. Everything was lighting up. <laughs> I worked my way through... I can't remember whether I mentioned this to you or not, but I, I watched the In Search of Darkness docos. Yes, finally. yes, yes. So, first one was great. Second one, okay. I loved some of it for the deep cut portion of it, but then other parts it was, like, too deep. <laughs> too yeah, deep. some shit that I don't think I've ever even heard of. Yeah. Worked through some 30 for 30s as well. Oh. Couple of couple of older ones that I'd never seen. Um, Were these on Disney or Star? Because there's quite a few of them on there. Yeah, KO as well. Okay. I reactivated KO to you know watch a watch a little bit of this and that, and there's uh, they're all on there. So, yeah. King's Ransom, yeah, very ordinary. I thought that one was very ordinary. Yeah, Peter Berg. I don't know what he was doing, but having the interviews on the golf course. Yeah, is that the one? That's the one about Wayne, Wayne yeah, Gretzky. Yeah, Wayne Gretzky. It? So the story. Of, the story's you know, interesting. The story's but interesting, the... but the the execution of it was just strange. Like there's so many of these parts where he should be talking. And Peter Berg kind of injects himself. You sort of see him doing the interview. I'm kind of okay with that style, but again, what, like, why is it on the golf course? And well, like, it just felt a bit kind of. It just felt like perhaps he he had a few questions that he hadn't got answered, so he fucking took him out to the golf course and spoke to him there or think, something. See, but we wanted. This was the thing. My problem with that one is that you want to hear from Gretzky. Yeah. Like, I don't. I don't really care <laughs> for how you get it out of him. But I don't really want to see you injecting. I just want to hear yeah. from the guy that was involved. Yeah, and the others involved who were those sort of talking head. Because some of that shit was interesting about how they made out like he left because of his wife. Yeah, She wanted yeah. to be an actress and, yeah, and, and I the felt, deal had been, you know, there'd been all sorts of shit going on. Yeah, and I felt some of them probably should have been dug into a little more. But I just, yeah, I, I didn't like that one at all. Small Potatoes. Great to see That's, Donald, yeah, Donald Trump. Trump. No fucking idea what he's talking about. Yeah, yeah, that one was that one was That's entertaining. Weekly, but again, there was because it was so short. I felt like I felt like that one could have gone longer, and we could have explored a bit more the the guys that then went on to success in the NFL and stuff like that. Yeah, but yeah, it was all right. Broke. Nah, um, one of my faves. Yeah, I mean, the problem with broke is a very serious issue, but. There were so many times when someone mentioned what they spent their money on and I was laughing. One <laughs> guy talked yeah, he bought a fucking fur coat. Yeah, that yeah. was my favourite. He was fucking Buddy <laughs> from Seinfeld. Yeah, they kind of <laughs> talked about the people that bought, you know, um, music studios and shit like that. Of course, Rock and Ishmael got the mention about his, <laughs> his calligraphy stores and phone card. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't have been laughing at some phone of that. Phone cards are taken off. It's fucking 2000, dickhead. <laughs> Come on, do some fucking research. (laughs) (laughs) Holy shit. Yeah, but of course, you know, it was interesting when they did go into that and they had people talking about it. You know, like, you got to understand that 
when you got this much money, all of a sudden everybody's pitching your business. My <laughs> favourite was, like was Rocket Andre, Andre no. <laughs> Rocket. Oh, Rocket was a he was a yes man. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> he, was, I think so. Um, he was an early exponent of he was nodding off during pitches. Oh, I think so. so. Yeah, yep. Yeah, Andre Ryzen was my favourite. Yeah. He bought himself a studio and they actually yeah. show him doing some singing and it's fucking atrocious. <laughs> yeah. Luther Vandross, he was not. I, I believe he also, he did go broke, but he's now in a pretty good position. Yeah, yeah, again. he's rebuilt himself, Please, which so. is great. Look, it's good to, some of it was good to see that some of these guys dug themselves out of it. Yeah. But then again, there was also ones like um, Jamal Mashburn, where he kind of, he talked about how he how he held his money. Yeah, from the get-go. And managed to get, keep it from the get-go. And, and now they're like, talking like he's the fucking king of, king of the state, like he's got dealerships, yeah, he's got dealerships and restaurants. And, and I was like, see, this is a guy who had used his money wisely. You didn't see you didn't see fucking Jamal Mashburn in a fair yeah. Yeah, I didn't see I didn't I didn't uh, I didn't catch Jamal Mashburn's um, gospel album. So. Yeah, and he was also not working in a car wash at any point. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's a really interesting one. I've, I've, I've... Yeah, it was good. I like that one. Obviously, with John Wick coming up, we've we've checked that out. But I've I've also um. Watched two and three. I watched to, two to revisit. Haven't watched three yet. Yes, I went to two and three. Two was a two was uh, two was not as good as I remembered. It's still excellent, but it was. Uh, I feel the action was better, but but the story itself not so great. No, but I I really loved his that sequence where he goes to get decked out. Yeah, get yeah. all his gear, and that was the best part about it. That that expansion of the yeah. world. I feel like, and I'm. I don't know whether I'm on on my own here, but I feel like part three might be my favourite. Yeah. Even though it's probably on par with the first one for me, but I feel like part three is where it all came together. The world, the action, like all that sort of stuff was was pretty cool. Mm. I touched base with my friend Vin Diesel. Vin? I checked out Fast Night. Oh. <laughs> I, I read some reviews that kind of just said, look, it's getting tired. Well, it's more of the same. More of the same... You know, Vin Diesel is essentially Superman. The big issue with it for me, so obviously there's there's some large-scale set pieces and action sequences, and some of them are pretty good. There's a, there's a couple of them that are pretty good. There's some stuff with Ludacris and, uh, and Tyrese where it goes to just next level, like just, just way past where we where we were. But there is also... One of the better parts of the movie, I felt, was Tyrese having this fucking, this kind of run through the film of he's in this kind of, um, he's having this crisis almost about he's trying to figure out if they're, like, invincible. He's telling people, look at all the shit that happens to us and we're still, I haven't got a scratch on me and all this sort of stuff. And that's kind of funny because you can see a little bit of self-awareness. But the problem is, the big problem is for me, that everything, just like the previous pictures, everything's got to be upped by ten. Everything's got to be got to be pushed up, however many notches. But in bringing people back that had been fucking rubbed out of the series, the stakes have never been. It's simultaneously the stakes have never been higher, well, yet I'll... meant less. Yeah, you know, they, they they just mean nothing now because um, they should have. Committed to having Letty killed. Yep. They should have committed to having Han killed. Yeah. Like See, the Han one, the Han one is a little different because I understand there was a sort of groundswell of people that were like, 
Han was Han was done wrong. Like you, you, you killed the the most important character. He was one of you know. Uh, I get that there was there was more support there, and there was there was a there was a fan base that was calling for some of that representation, and 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 it was done by people that weren't involved in concocting the Han storyline, oh, yeah, which okay. was where one of the problems arose. Okay, well, Letty, appreciate that. Leave it. Yeah, she never should have come back. But it could have also been a nice emotional moment for yeah. Dom. Yeah, but now just, that now they just, that they, won't, they refuse to commit to it. Yeah, now that they're both now that now that those characters are both back, no one feels like they're in any danger. And look, what I noticed, and I haven't seen Fast Nine or Fast Eight, and I admitted to you that five, four, five, six, seven, I had some fun with it. Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to lie. Yep, and I freely admit that I still had fun with Hobbs and Shaw. Had a little bit of fun with this one, but yep. it's just there's nothing. But there's but no stakes. As I said before, I, I would love to see a spin-off of Tyrese and Ludacris. I actually think that would work. But my problem is a, I mean, fuck, Michelle Rodriguez was a reasonable actress. She looks fucking bored. Like she just in all of those films, I was just like. It's obvious that she is. Yeah. It's just a paycheck. There's, yeah, yeah. There's no interest. She has no interest. She's not stretched. Like no. she's not. She's not coming in going fuck. You know, I really need to up my game. But you could have got. I mean, you could have got rid of her, and you could have given more time for me to to Ramsey, yeah. Natalie Emmanuel, who's come in in the last two oh, movies. Yeah. I really like what she brings. So less time spent with Letty, and I mean, Letty gets no time anyway. She's just. She's just a kind of. She's in a couple of scenes and a couple of chases, and that's it. Like, there's so many characters in it now. I know it's too much, and what I ended up feeling at the end of Hobbs and Shaw was there's only so much of this low stakes invincibility. Oh, um, movies made. You know what happens when you make movies because of what the fans want. You get the Halloween franchise. <laughs> you do. Yeah. You do. You end up getting shit that, oh, the fan base likes it, but, but people they? begin to fall off because they they're like... like <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of times when that is well, debatable. Maybe they didn't. <laughs> and people would probably rake me over the coals here and say, yeah, but you loved Halloween 2018, and it was basically exactly what the fans wanted. Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll fucking take that. But it was well made. And it, it basically just pitched to what we wanted because it was restarting everything. I don't even think it's necessarily what the fans wanted. Like I feel the fans wanted the fans wanted Han back. Other than that, I think it's mostly well, what fuck, mate. I think it's mostly what Vin Diesel was. Well somebody wants Dom to survive. Vin Christ, Diesel. He, he seemingly, Vin Diesel. He seemingly Exec I mean, producer. He is Vin more Diesel. indestructible <laughs> than fucking the Terminator. Yeah, but this is what I mean. I don't think... I think even the the ardent fans of that series, I think if you rank their characters, I don't think Toretto's on top of anyone's list except Vin Diesel's. That's my opinion. How does Johnny Cena... How did he pull off? <laughs> how does John Cena pull off being fucking related to Vin Diesel? Oh, look. In name only. It played out exactly how I thought. Like... All you've done is darkened uh, Johnny Cena's hair a little bit. Are you expecting us to buy that he's Vin <laughs> Diesel's brother? He's long lost. I mean, look, Cena's all right, but it's just the care factor about whether you... Because, again, if you know the series well enough, 
you kind of come into this movie and you see the setup and you've got an idea of where it's going to go. And my idea of where it was going to go ended up pretty close, give or take some of the, you know, the, the happenings on the characters around that. Look, happy to have the bloke in the series, but again, maybe spin him off with someone else. Just do do videos of, of a couple of members of the of the crew on their own. Not video, sorry. Movies. Whole movies of yeah, a couple yeah. of members of the crew off on their own little adventures. Yeah, I agree with that. That's why I think Hobson Shaw kind of worked for me. Yeah. Because it got away from Toretto and that. And I'll tell you what, mate. When Johnny Cena comes in and he fucking acts you off the screen, <laughs> you've got to be looking at yourself and saying, fuck, maybe it's time <laughs> that I take a backward step or Dom dies or something. Yeah. Look, it, I didn't, uh, I didn't uh, dislike... Diesel as much as I have in some of these, but but he, again, he's got some sequences where, like I said, he's just Superman. He's got to have his little moments talking about family that when I should be, they, they're trying to warm up my heart like Love on the Spectrum does. No. Instead, I'm giggling at his his. And the funny thing is, the funny thing is because I'm not. No, look, Vin Diesel is not a great actor. He's not. Stick with stick with Pitch Black. No, but sort of thing. but he's capable in the right setting. We saw it in Saving that, Private uh, Ryan. We is that saw in a in... recording booth with Kygo on the, oh, on the producing yeah. well, boards? Fuck. Well, there's nobody's doubting that, <laughs> <laughs> are they? But as far as acting's concerned, in the right setting, we saw it in Saving Private Ryan. Mm. We saw it in Pitch Black. That in the right setting, he has presence to him. Yeah. He I don't dislike the guy. He I, doesn't. I have been a vocal kind of <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't, critic of the He man. doesn't have anything dislike. because this is stuff that's just, it's just, and as I said before about Michelle Rodriguez, no one's been stretched here. I mean, fuck, if Charlize Theron's rocking up, she's going, Where's the, is there money in the account? Yeah, yep. money in the bag. All right, no worries. I'll, I'll give you 50% <laughs> of what I'm capable of. Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> you know, like, it's nobody's there to, 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 to whip out great performances. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying you need it, but this is kind of why I like Ludacris and Tyrese. There's a sense of fun to that shit. Yeah. They well, get to guys, have look, fun, and this is what guys, this movie should be. Those guys are doing that because this is this is their bread and butter now. Yeah. I mean, their, their music careers aren't necessarily what they once were. They're not showing up in, in every second movie. This is this is their deal. This is So they'll give you everything that they got, which is probably why they are some of the more enjoyable parts of the movies. Plus, I think time. they're the fun part of a franchise that's supposed to be now about fun and entertainment, yeah. not about anything else. So what you're getting is those guys... Hit the, they 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 hit the brief, mate. They they do what you want. Yeah, and it works. So I want more of them and less of Toretto. Hmm. I agree. What um, else you got? So just working through quickly the the rest of the stuff that I had. Um, Oxygen. I watched Oxygen on oh, Netflix. Yeah, I heard that was alright. Look, it's okay. I recommended it to you because I know you enjoyed things like Buried. And there's a certain mileage you, you can get out of these movies where it's in, you know if you set it up pretty well, it's intriguing. For a certain amount of time, and if the payoff is good, then they're, they're an enjoyable experience. And it takes a bit of skill to to have you with a person in a in a very isolated location and, mm. and restricting the ways that you can shoot and, and what they can do. But yeah, it's it's decent. Alex Arger, of course, so it was it was always going to be something that I was going to check out. Probably doesn't doesn't pay off all that well. 
But again, interesting to see, and they keep it pretty interesting for the majority of the movie about what's actually going on. So yeah, it's worth a watch. Okay. I also went to The Hills Have Eyes, the original. Watched it with the Joe Bob commentary, now that we can access the... Uh, the, mm. the not the commentaries, the kind of the you know, cutting in his little... And how, how did it stand for you? first one stood up pretty well. Really enjoyed it. I actually think the remake's better. Yeah, well, look, I, I agree. I think the remake is actually better, but the, the, the original, it's one of those ones that probably could have done with a freshen up. But, it's but it still holds up well. What it's doing. Yeah, it still holds up well, and it was funny, you know, watching it with Joe Bobby highlighted a few things that, that you're kind of somewhat aware of, but not to the extent. Like, so, for example, he highlighted the, the influence of the, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which I was obviously aware of, but not to the extent where he kind of brings up particular things. And I actually went on to the sequel as well, which did not have any Joe Bob, which made it an even more painful experience. I believe the sequel was Sequel's a contractual a obligation. Sequel's a shocker. Wes Craven. Yeah, but we did have... Um, I mean, as I said to Can you... we get a flashback from a made, dog? Yeah, we get a flashback Jesus from a dog. Christ. It was made in the same year as Elm Street, and you would not think that the same bloke <laughs> with the talent that he showed on Elm Street made this. It is... It's Isn't Harry Manfredini also uh, on the music? So it sounds exactly like Friday. The yeah, 13th. it did. <laughs> it did very much so. You also get a an appearance from uh, one of the Friday the Thirteenth blokes, oh, um, Kevin Kevin Spiritus. Spiritus. Yes, part seven. But yeah, I couldn't recommend that you check it out. It was a fucking. Where was it? Tell you what, it's one of those movies that it's it's what. Where about 80 minutes. It's on Tubi. Both of them are on Tubi. Built Yeah, I've get on. Um, so, so it's one of those movies that's 80 minutes long, and you'd swear it was 180. Like, oh. it just, it's a fucking slog. <laughs> Come on, mate. Look, I don't do well with those. <laughs> um, and the last, uh, the last that I checked out was, again, going back to Joe Bob, um, on the same, same uh, marathon that he did. Hills Have Eyes, the mm. film before that, was Texas Chainsaw. So I went back and watched that. Look, I've always said that that it's was one that I sort of struggled to connect with. I really dug it this time around. It was kind of... Maybe it, it helped having that commentary. Every time I've watched it, it's probably edged up a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean... Shit, Franklin still pisses you off. <laughs> There's a couple of things that I don't particularly yeah, love about it. Yeah, but, you it. know... But it is such a... Yeah, it is a very raw, very scary... Yeah, I think that that's, that's part of its charm, is yep. that it, can, it really does hit you um, viscerally, yep. which is... Um, that was that 70s aesthetic mm. horror that worked. That and it was interesting to see, because uh, uh, Joe Bob believes that... You know, he, he fucking loves that movie believes it's one of the greatest ever made, so he kind of finished up with this impassioned kind of defensive Toby Hooper, including a breakdown of the rumours about Steven Spielberg directing... What did he say there? He said it's bullshit. He said basically a guy turned up on the... An LA Times reporter turned up, saw Spielberg directing second unit because Spielberg wanted to be involved because him and Hooper had worked pretty closely on it. So his story was that, you know, this this LA Times reporter turned up, saw Spielberg directing Second Unit and basically wrote it in an article and it, it's hung ever since. So he kind of, yeah, he basically, he said... He, I could see that. I yeah, see that. I and could he, he, he kind of gave this this defence of the bloke saying he's the only, the only director ever to have two films make over $100 million and not be able to get a fucking, not be able to get a gig, basically, hmm. because of this... this kind of shit that, that dogged him about some of the films. So, yeah, it was good to see it from that perspective. And um, 
I, I mean, the film had gotten better for me over repeated viewings over the years, but I really enjoyed it this time. Okay. That's good. All right. Mine was short and sweet. I watched John Wick Chapter 2. Loved it. I agree with you. Not up to the standard of the first one. First one's a little tighter, a little more sort of contained, and I think that's, that actually works mm. more. I didn't like the villain as much the second time around either. Yeah. Everyone else, bar the main, the, the main villain, were, were the compelling ones. Like, I, I dug Common. Yeah, I dug Common. I thought that was that was a great manoeuvre, having almost like this... Yeah. Almost like John Wick-type guy yep. up against John Wick. I thought that was a really cool And option. I also felt... Ruby Rose not talking was a good choice. Yes, she is a very um, intriguing-looking person. Yeah. And so it worked perfectly um, whenever she came and got involved. Good good film, not not at the level of the first one. Jared, I went back to a sports film that we've always talked about. Called Radio. Oh, I thought you were going to say the rookie. I was no, 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 I may go to the rookie though, because I believe <laughs> it's, it's on Disney, on Disney Plus. Plus. Radio. Yeah. Right? I've never seen Radio. <laughs> Ed Harris, Cooper Gooding Jr., it made money. Mm-hmm. So I thought, oh, look, it's on stand. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll see what this is like. It's taken a lot of heat over the years. Yes. Look, it's, it's not bad. As sports movies go, it's all right. But the problem is they continue to try and find villains mm. to put in the way. Yeah, yeah. But they're contrived and they're not... They're obviously not part of this story yeah. in any way. Secondly, I think they were reaching for Remember the Titans. But they were, they were. Go- they ended up with Remember when we didn't know anything about people who had... <laughs> <laughs> you know, who weren't... You know, people who had mental problems or, you know, yeah, um, deficiencies, yeah. mental deficiencies. And the way it's portrayed is just... I mean, Cooper's having a shocker. <laughs> Jesus. He is having a shocker. I'm hmm. sorry. I don't know who told him whether he went this way. It's, it's just not a very good portrayal. I mean, Ed Harris, fuck. Ed Harris sl- could sleepwalk through this shit. Yeah. And Harris is always watchable. I mean, this is a dream for Ed Harris. No one was trying to drown him. (laughs) Exactly. He did not have to go underwater at any stage in this picture. If you if he turns up to set and you say, "Yeah, you just got to you and Cuba just going to have a a bit of dialogue." (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) Harris is 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 really good. I think Cuba Gooding Jr. is trying his best. It's made even more worse by actually seeing the real radio at the end. Yeah. And I was like, this should have been a doco. It should have been a documentary. It would have made for a really interesting documentary and we wouldn't have had to have all this contrived crap about all these villains that we put in place. So, yeah, I, I didn't really enjoy it. I'm going to say that. Fair to say. Straight. And the last thing for me was I watched Dark Side of the Ring, season three. Oh, yeah, so did I. Yeah, really enjoyed it. Great. I think they... I like the fact that they're trying to find interesting stories. Yeah, they're going um, a little bit Not just in broader. the WWE. Well, even, you know, the, the, the one about Jake the Snake's family. Yeah, that was interesting. You know, it was connected to wrestling because there was three of the family. But it was also more about was, the... Well, four of the family, actually. Christ, mate. But it was also was about... not a good bloke. No, not at all. No. So, yeah, that, I really enjoyed that one. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was a really good one. Ultimate uh, Warrior? Ultimate Warrior. <laughs> 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 Fucking hell. Honestly... <laughs> That guy was just too big for his boots. <laughs> the worst part about that, or the funniest part about that, was they made him the champ. Yeah. 
and Hogan basically had to go out there and, put him over. and just, yeah, he basically had to carry him for the entire match and then get beaten just so this prick could be kind of like king shit. And, look, it was the 80s, you know, I mean, that these this WWE was establishing itself as the wrestling promotion because, remember, that early 80s you still had promotions across the country, didn't you? You hadn't pulled yeah, them yeah, together. Yeah. Yep. So WWE pulled everything together. So I guess you're trying to sort of trade on what's hot. Yeah. And the warrior was hot. Yeah, Fuck well, knows why, because he couldn't wrestle. Well, and his promo cutting was fucking nonsensical. I think that was one of the one of the periods of aiming it real directly towards the kids. Because I was right in the I was right in the pocket at the time when the warrior was around. You were the warrior, you were a fan of the warrior. You know, you I mean, liked a dickhead who came out and shook the ropes. Yeah, I loved it. You know, he came out and shook the ropes so I can squash someone in thirty seconds, and I was thinking this bloke's great. <laughs> You know, even when he... I think he may actually have been from Parts Unknown because if you listen to his promos, no one that no one from Earth would think that, <laughs> that they, were, they were a good idea. There's one of them where he's just ranting and raving <laughs> and he's all jacked up and then he starts saying something about spaceships. And I, was just, I was like, where is the connection to wrestling with any of this? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no idea. So, yeah, look, and he got too big for his boots. Yeah. I found it interesting that Jake the Snake was talking about how he had his own bloody, you know, private locker room and all yeah, this kind of yeah. crap. And, you know, like Vince Vince McMahon is obviously a pretty shrewd businessman. You don't run a billion-dollar business if you don't know anything about it. Yeah. Unless you shit yourself and <laughs> come out and play Promo, which is always good. Yeah, as I said to you before, Vince, there's no reason for you to do this with, oh, no. with a fucking brown yeah, trap. Look, tw- we can we can we can, uh, <laughs> we can hold for two let's minutes. Cut to a, we um, can figure something out for two let's minutes. Cut to a montage of film <laughs> footage, mate. You can go to the can. <laughs> but I digress. McMahon, it was about dollars and cents. Yeah, you put Warrior over as the champ. I mean, what good was a warrior in a Royal Rumble? Oh, fuck. Because you'd have to bring him in late. So yeah, he just well, squashed a few blokes and won it. The thing about it, the thing is, you know, his motivation was obviously make a lot of money, you know. If he had have had a few brains about him, he would have, when he got to that point, he would have just been listening and saying, right, what do you need from me? What, what can I do to stay on top? Yeah. But he, he's, he's... What storylines can we kind of wring out of this? He just thought, no, I'm, I'm king shit. It's, but part of the whole thing was his character of parts unknown and aliens and the rantings and ravings of him. <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't lend itself to storylines. No, but he could have... Because he was I mean, a crazy man, I think. He was crazy, <laughs> but he could have made it work if he worked with other people. If he actually listened to him and said, okay, well, maybe I'll learn how to cut a promo. <laughs> maybe I'll learn how to do something other Should than I get the off three, the juice? Other than the three moves that I can do. I'll learn to do something else. You, we can, you we can have a five-minute match instead of a two-and-a-half-minute yeah, match. Yeah, you were close, close line. He loved a close line and a gorilla press. Oh, yeah, but, I mean, he doesn't love <laughs> What Could he do any suplexes or was he just... Oh, look, he was strong, but he just... You know, they, when you've, you've watched a few of those and you get... They, they talk about... Someone like Ric Flair, who could 
who could just work <laughs> with anybody. <laughs> go, who would work with anybody and then get straight on the gas afterwards. <laughs> but, yeah, look, he would work with anybody and make him look good. Yeah. The Warrior couldn't... I mean, he wouldn't even... Like Jake the Snake said, wouldn't even fucking speak to him about the match. <laughs> like, yeah. So what are you expecting? Like, yeah. What are we expecting here? We're expecting the Warrior to just come out, whip your ass. Yeah. Even someone like John Cena. Like, you know, when he first came in... I was falling out of things by then. I'm not. I haven't. I don't, don't know Cena's career greatly, but I believe people really didn't like him. But there's been this kind of begrudging respect developed over the years for how hard he kind of worked and, mm. and then tried to improve and whatever. So, because Cena came in big guy, yeah, not really, and a great got the wrestler. push. I think people disliked him because he was just put in in the positions to succeed very quickly and for a long, long time. But people, like I said, developed a bit of a he wore Grudging jorts a lot, he too. He did. He wore jorts I mean, a lot. <laughs> here. I mean, surely John's looking back on that and going, look, jorts, probably should have discussed this a bit deeper with the story, Mate, guys. John's looking at his hair in Fast and Furious 9 and saying, fuck, I wish I was wearing a pair of jorts and that was it right now. <laughs> yeah, look, that was it for me. Yep. End of it. All right. Take a break. Here's the trailer for 2021's Fear Street Part 1, 1994. Dude, what the hell? This is exactly why you have no friends. Look, some gal killed a bunch of people at the mall last night. Holy shit. Another shady side tragedy. Fits the narrative, right? Sarah Fears back. Christ, not you two. There's no angry dead witch. The only thing that made him go crazy is this town. The dude was wearing a Halloween skull mask. How is that not fun? Guys, I think there's someone in the woods. One night and dead people are trying to kill us. Maybe we are doomed. She was so sexy, but so crazy. Normal bitches don't bleed black blood. How do we not die? I'm looking at you, witch nerd. You can't stop it. Fear Street, Part 1, 1994, from 2021, directed by Lee Janiak, who directed Honeymoon. It's produced by Peter Chernin, who produced Hidden Figures, David Reddy, who produced Red, and Juno Topping, who produced Can't Hardly Wait. Oh, yeah. I was pretty happy about that. The story's by Kyle Killen, who wrote The Beaver, Phil Grazadelli, <laughs> who wrote Honeymoon, and Lee Janiak. The screenplay's by Lee Janiak and Phil Grazadelli. Grazadelli, and it's based on the Fear Street book series by R.L. Stein, who's, I believe, sold 400 million <laughs> copies. <laughs> I mean, he has written a lot of books. Yeah, we suggested there might have been 200 million, <laughs> 200 million books on shelves based around Goosebumps, Fear Street, and look, not point to, thrillers. Yeah, not to shit on you, R.L., but I guarantee you, you didn't write all these. <laughs> There's some ghosties in there. Come on. Admit it. <laughs> it stars Kiana Madeira as Dina, 
Olivia Scott Welsh as Samantha Fraser, Benjamin Flores Jr. as Josh, and Fred Hershinger as Simon. Budget, I couldn't find any info about. Uh, I don't know what it, what it cost. And obviously, box office, it's not going to be... It's coming to Netflix um, specifically, so there'll be no box office dollars, but it'll be more about how many people, how many eyeballs are on it. Mm. And there wasn't a lot of trivia. The only thing, you know, that was there was basically says based on the Fear Street books, but that's it, so. Good. All right, Jared, talk to me. All right. This so, is part one of three films. Too. Look, I think I'm going to be a little bit higher on this than you are. So I really loved the setup from the start. I feel like the story was pretty intriguing and they found these little ways to get you going along with the twists and turns and and keeping interested as we went. I feel like there was a bit in the middle where I was kind of sort of wondering where we were going and I was was looking at it thinking, this is probably about a three, three and a half film. Really enjoying it. Obvious nods to some slashes that we know and some things like that, but... I must say, by the end of it, I pushed into a four. Four. And the reasons I pushed into a four are, there's a couple of them, I thought the cast was excellent. Mm-hmm. Young actors that I thought really did a, an excellent job of keeping you invested in the characters. I thought the character, the, the work to develop some of the character along the way was was quite good as well. Mm. So that combination really had me... I found myself towards the end when we start to... when we start to... going into sort of spoiler territory, yeah. territory which we are going to do. We are going to do, yes. When you start to lose a few of them, I actually felt it. I was like, that's a real kick in the guts. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, and the, 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 the second part of it for me is that the twists and turns towards the end I really enjoyed, but I came out of it with this real excitement for the next two movies that we we are going to get paid off very quickly. So I'm, I reckon I'm giving it half a star for the possibilities the of experiment the experiment and the possibilities because it looks like we are going back 20-odd years to a more kind of Friday the 13th type setup, but they've suggested that they're going to open up the rest of the story. So in going back in the storyline... They're going to add to this one, which I I just I found really exciting. When we finished it, I was like, I cannot fucking wait for this next week mm. to pass so I can get straight on to the next one. So, I mean, we could come back to this in two weeks, two to three weeks, and I'll say it's a three-and-a-half-star movie mm. because the payoff just wasn't there. But right now... It's full. I'm sitting at sitting at a four because of that excitement level that's coming. And I know I'm probably I'm giving it credit for stuff that hasn't come yet, but right at this moment, when we're talking about it, that's what that's what I landed on. Look, I think that's probably a fair assessment. I was lower on it, not because of those things, because I'm ex- still excited for where we're going. It kind of dragged a touch in the middle for me. There was a couple of bits near the end where I kind of felt... You feel like you've, you've added this bit for no reason, when we, we didn't have to have it, and I'll go into that specifically... Because you were already there and then you kind of doubled up on it, which it didn't feel worked. I liked some of... I I think the acting was was fine. I think the acting was one of the real strengths. A couple of technical things that I didn't like. I just felt the middle sagged and and it it didn't work as much for me. But in saying that, it's nostalgia-filled 
I mean, I loved this shit when I was a kid. I was a pre-Fear Street. The point thrillers were where I kind of was, and I got to know R.L. Stein, and I was actually coming out of that because I would have been, what, about 16? Let's just say you're a fucking, you're an old prick. Well, this, you're a grumpy old prick by this stage. I was about 16 or 17, <laughs> so Fear Street was coming along, and I was sort of coming out of it. But... I think it was great to see the nostalgia on show. I think it's pretty well directed in parts, and it's got a real nice kind of aesthetic in terms of it kind of looks like I would have expected these when I read those books. Yeah. And also the look of the front covers yep. are kind of sort of replicated. And the slasher vibe mixed with the supernatural never upset me. Mm. Like, it's not like I was like, oh, you know, I just wanted a straight-ahead slasher. Yeah. No, I felt that the supernatural element and tying it to other things actually ended up working yep. really well. I gave it three. Couldn't even go to Snake Eyes for you. Fuck. <laughs> Not even with the excitement I, level. I was sitting at Snake Eyes at, at about halfway through because I felt the first half was more what yeah, I liked more. See, I, 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 look, I, I kind of agree. There was a portion towards the middle where I thought I'm, I'm losing a little bit here. But I thought that I thought the end was pretty strong. Yeah, no, it was so. the end was strong, but I just found by then I'd there were a couple of things that I didn't like. I was perhaps being a little bit. More You'd picky. already started grumbling. I started You'd grumbling. Said, Fuck, I started it playing. should have been a point thriller. I started turning into Harrison Ford. <laughs> <laughs> and and I don't know, it just kind of lost a little steam. Yeah, but I would enough. agree, character-wise, I think they did a very good job under mm. the circumstances of what you talk, what sort of movie you're talking about. Yeah. So there were some really good things in there, and I, I still have a high excitement level. I'm actually very interested to see what they do with 78 because well, it feels I, like it's set like Friday the 13th. Well, funnily enough, like it's a, it's they've set themselves a real challenge because, like you said, they've got this whole, this whole supernatural element. That we are going to go into '78 with this Jason character coming along, being probably the the antagonist that we're expecting. Mm. But it seems like they are going to expand on the mythology yes, of the and the Sarah Fear and all yeah. That and I've actually, it's actually the, the one that I was looking forward to the least was the witch one. Yeah. And now I'm kind of like, well, if these two go well and they keep me interested in the story of that one I'm actually kind of kind of keen to see that one yeah, too because that's going to be, be a payoff for it all and I will state that it's another good move by Netflix this yeah well didn't I read and I didn't know this but I read that Fox had it and dropped it yeah, that's COVID, a mistake because because of COVID they figured they couldn't do anything with it whereas now I'm looking at it going this is kind of, in terms of a concept of how you're releasing these movies, it's one of the more, it's one of the, the ideas that's excited me the most since something like Grindhouse. Yes, yes, agreed. And, you know, there's all, well, I think we've talked about this earlier, but HBO Max has got the the point thrillers yeah. series coming. Yeah. Um. So, again, I think there's a market for this kind of thing, and I think I'd they been, do it look, correctly. I'd have been quite happy for a Fear Street movie just based on one of the books. And then you go down the line, unconnected. Yeah, we'll see. Fear Street. But my, this, this is actually My wife exciting. was more about that. She was sort of saying, I would have preferred if it was just singular films. Yeah. Well, tied but, up. But, Whereas but, I felt I, that tying it together actually did was one of its strengths. Well, that, yeah, I feel like now, having watched the first one, I feel like that might turn out 
turn out to be a really... Because part of it is to try and grip you yeah. for the next one. Yep. Now, if the movie sucked, I probably wouldn't have been as gripped, but I felt like, yeah, we're going somewhere. We're, yeah. we're moving forward, and, and it's, it could be really interesting. Yeah, I agree. So, and I'd still be happy to see, you know, if they did the, the point thrillers in that, in that format where they just adapt a few of the old stories. That's fine. I'm happy with that too, but I love this as a bit of a bit of a gamble, a bit of a chance to yeah. take with the three movies, and so far, so good. Yeah, exactly. All right, to open up the likes, it opens with pure nostalgia. Yeah. The moment we open the movie, we're in a bookstore, and she's holding up one of the Fear Street books in front of that lady and saying, oh, this one's a good one. Yeah, yeah. And then we actually get a pan across the... Across the actual shelves, and it's and got a few of them, yeah, a few of them, and yeah. they're not written by R.L. Stein, the they're written by Robert Lawrence or something. Yep. But I thought that was a kind of a clever. Isn't that the R.L. Way. Yeah, maybe. I, I, think I don't that's know. The R.L. I don't really know, but I like the fact that they kept his name out of it in full. I mean, why would we bother to fucking look at it? He's only sold four hundred billion books. <laughs> he doesn't know what he wrote. Hell, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh, come on. He's got a, he's got you know, five hundred monkeys in a room. <laughs> What's going on? He's been punching out bloody... It was the bluest of times. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, no, I, I love that. I really love the opening. And I think um, they get a, they do a really good job of giving us the 90s aesthetic. Well, the masterstroke for me was, um, number one, I really like Maya Hawke. I'm really starting to take to her as an actress. I think she's really good. But it's... Um, Obviously, going for a bit of a scream vibe. Yeah, I've really felt that in the in the mall. And there was a couple the of shots that were lifted straight out, like the part where it goes into slow mo yeah. and he's running along beside her and stabs her, and then they go for that one, the famous she one of his mask, yeah, yeah. Where she grabs his mask, and I was expecting, okay, so we go for the Cut scream away, where it yeah. goes up to the knife, yeah. but then bang, they hit you with it was him, yeah, it was who him. it was, and I was like, oh shit, okay, so this is where we're going, and then he immediately gets. Again, I'll, we'll, we'll say the spoilers, even though we've said it. He immediately gets shot, and I'm just like, "Fuck, okay, Man. all right, you've got me straight away." Because I liked, I liked that they 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 gave those touches to the to the people that would know what they were going for, but then even played with that. Yeah, because I was sitting there going, "All right, I know this shot, and I know what's going to happen. It's going to go up to the knife." And then it didn't. I was mm. like, "Fuck, okay, yeah, good, well played." I really love the shot though of all the skull marks, and as she walks past them, and she moves out a shot, and one of them just moves forward. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was really cool. Nods to things that we've seen before, yeah. but as you said, it's done pretty done well. pretty well. So it's it's yeah, it was exciting to start with. Plenty of gore. Yeah, I like the fact they gored it up. Yes. Um, because Fear Street was not known for that. It was more about that you might get one death yep. in the in, in each book. Yeah. Because it was catering to teenagers, so you weren't going for, you know, masses of gore. Mm-hmm. So I like the fact that they went for an R rating and, and they delivered on that. Pretty decent soundtrack of 90s sort of songs that we remember from the 90s. Yeah. Starting with Nine Inch Nails and then... You moved on to things like Garbage, and you had um, bloody uh, Cypress Hill in there, and then yeah, White yeah. Zombie a little bit later. Look, there was a few times where I thought, fuck, maybe maybe let's ease up on that. But, yeah, there were certain times when it worked very well. Yeah. I, I feel like perhaps they overdid it, but... Um, yeah, a little bit. In general, when it worked. It kind it of worked. rammed it in your face a few times. Yeah, yeah. When, but, it, when it worked, it worked. Look, I said it, it's pretty well directed, I will say. There's a couple of things I come, I'll come up with in the dislikes where I think they kind of lose a bit of a sense of where you are 
and it's the lighting's a bit of a problem. But overall, I think they find the atmosphere in it, and they find the the look of it, which I think, as I said, looks very much like what they were going for was kind of that glossy look of the covers of those books. Yeah, there was definitely parts where it was very like saturated with colour. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, you, where you felt like that's what they were going for. Yeah, for but sure. I appreciate that they're trying to give it a actually give it a, a look. Yeah, as opposed to just trotting something out. So I was happy with that. Yep. Balancing the supernatural with the slashes kind of worked. Yeah. Me. Yeah, I think, again, there's there's an element of, of it adding to the things that I didn't like about it, but for the most part, it works as a sort of point of difference and then it starts to throw a few curveballs at you and we end up with this little mix of, like, you've essentially got a ghost face knockoff, you've got a Jason, you've got a sort of Bloody Mary type. Yeah. And... Yeah, there's parts of that where it's really, it does work really well. It's really exciting. You're not sure who's gonna who's gonna turn up where. Like, so yeah, for the most part, I was I was really happy with that as well. Yeah, it kind of adds to this Sunnydale versus Shady Side angle too. This little class battle going on that yeah. that works pretty well at the start of it. And I think that plays into character because, firstly. Simon's my guy. Anyone who's dropping trow and giving me a full moon in the bus and then proceeds to tell the cops, I'm not telling you anything, pigs. (laughs) Quickly wipe me over. Wipe me over immediately. I also really like the fact that, and I don't know whether this comes to the cast and the, well, it does come to the cast, but also a bit of the writing, that they take him all seriously. Like, I, I was expecting a guy like him just to be a real jackass and nothing else. Yeah. But that's not what it is. Yeah, they kind of all... they kind of give him some shades near the end. Yeah, and they all they t- they take them all pretty seriously. They don't really give you they give you some of the stereotype but attached to a character that they actually use. They don't just yeah. chuck anyone in there other than some of the the Sunnyvale people and it's more because they don't well, they're, they're minor, really the minor yeah, players. Yeah. It's not really... Um, all you needed there was the jocks who were nasty and things yeah, like that. Yeah, but I felt to the... By the end of it, I was really invested in all of them that were left. I think the idea of Dina and Sam being a lesbian relationship, because I didn't think that. I assumed when she looks over and she sees... No. With a good, I just I just assume Sam's a bloke. Yeah, and they played with that. And, 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 with that yeah, as, as, right? It's just exactly what I would have assumed. Yep. And when that doesn't turn out to be the case, but I also, that, that added an extra layer to things because it wasn't just rich versus poor, her leaving town. They yeah, were in a relationship that no one, wa- like her mum didn't That's want right. her to be in and all this sort of stuff. That's right. And it so played it into the, that, that class yeah. as well as... You know, it added the class and the angle of, you know, conservative and whatever. Yeah. It was sort of, yeah. I look. I must say, I was. I got a. I got a shock with that. And it, this is coming from people that are, you know, we're, we're not progressive. Uh, <laughs> you could call I'm us progressive. A, I'm still a fucking knucklebagger. I say <laughs> we try to be progressive. Yeah. We are. We are still morons, yeah, but we try yeah. to be progressive. But even then, with that expectation, the way that they they set it up. I just immediately thought exactly the same thing. Oh, that's the boy. Yeah, Sam. yeah. So I liked the way they so when they did it. that. I was like, "Fuck!" And you they bamboozled me again. <laughs> well done. Well played. Right, let me tell you something. You are easily fooled. I'm easily fooled. <laughs> but I was happy to be fooled, and I felt that the relationship between the two girls was excellent. Yeah, I think they handled it well. 
Personally, I actually think they handled the relationship between her brother and Kate. Yes. Even better. I, I think really that was like really, that. really well done. Now, tell me, I may have, again, I may be a fool here, but Simon and the girl that he's interested in, the cheerleader, the one that's in the cheerleader's outfit. Kate. Kate. Again, I made an assumption that they were, they were boyfriend and girlfriend. Yeah, but they weren't. And they weren't. It seemed like they were just in a, uh, how would we call it? They were in a small business partnership. Yeah. So again, it plays with the expectations. I just looked at that and then I'm like, when when he starts making the moves, I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. But I think they handled that really well because she was the cheerleader and as all these movies tend to do, the cheerleader's a bit of a bitch and will have yeah. no time for this young bloke. Yep. Yeah. He's, the brother, I think he's only a year younger. It didn't really sort of state it. But... She treats him, she never shits on him. She never sort of, you know, and the relationship just organically builds. Yeah. And then Simon gives him that pep talk later yeah, on yeah. and says, we wouldn't be at this point if it wasn't for you. Yeah. Yeah, I really liked that. I really liked it that, that they gave everyone, like you actually just by the end of it, you were like, this is just a group of friends where everyone likes everyone. It's not, yeah. it's not this kind of, And it know, plays into... The whole relationship between them all plays into how I f- saw things going at the end and then they twist that on me. Mm. I didn't expect what I ended up getting yeah. because I anticipated that, and I'll get to it, in, it's in the likes, but I anticipated something and I got something different. Well, this is the, yeah, I, I feel like they did a, a, an excellent job of playing with those expectations of people like you and I who saw things going in a direction and because we had seen the, the movies that they were referencing and nodding towards, we just we assumed. Just like, oh, yeah. We're, knowledgeable. we're a knowledgeable pair of progressive knuckle draggers. <laughs> <laughs> we'll know what's going on here. As I picked, <laughs> picked the gnats out of my hair <laughs> and ate them. <laughs> yeah. I just, As I you threw feces on the wall, <laughs> we. <laughs> Yeah, I threw a lump of shit at the wall, and then I went, oh, okay. Again, bamboozled. <laughs> is this Darren Boseman directing this? Oh, okay, yep. <laughs> he, he put the cape up. <laughs> um, the quick explanation that the brother gives about Shadyside and the, the deaths and the, the massacres, it's done quickly, it's done succinctly, and it doesn't bog down too much in exposition. Yeah, and here is where I think the three movies thing is is playing in the in their favour. We're not questioning it too much, and it f- doesn't feel underdone because you know there's more to come. Yeah. So they give you the rhyme. They give you a tiny little, a couple of little flashes of the the face of the witch, a little bit of a story about how she's possessing people or whatever, and you go with it because you know there's more explanation to come. So as I said, that may come in a couple of movies' time. I may look at that and go, "Ah, oh, fuck! Well, that didn't work out. How <laughs> yeah, I that blew up in everyone's face." Go back to entertaining myself by throwing shit at the wall. <laughs> <laughs> I like the trap that they set in the school. Yeah, the nifty little trap. We'll we'll we'll, we'll bring them in here. Use the blood. They'll all converge because they've worked out that obviously they're after Sam. They'll converge. We'll fill it with flammable liquids and we'll just set them on fire. Yeah. And then we quickly get a nice little thing that they all just reform, basically. They get blown up and then they just reform. You can't kill them like that. Yeah. Like that, again, we set some rules in place. We can't just kill them. Yep. Anytime we want. 
It's a little bit before this, but there was a particular shot that I absolutely loved, and it was when uh, Simon is is on the street taking a piss on a shop front. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then he looks down the street and sees the girl, and she's singing the pole, and she's singing. Yeah. It was one of those shots where I looked at it and I was like, to just look, don't go, you don't go down there." Yeah. And you don't get that so much anymore. Yeah. Like when you've seen a lot of these, you don't get that so much. I looked at that one and I was like, yeah, that's it's a little bit creepy. The singing was a nice touch. I was just don't go there. And it, I actually felt like when they cut back to the police station, it, it sort of dulled the impact a little bit. Yeah. But it worked out nicely when they go back to him and he does walk up and, and I love this sort of feeling of the urban legend type aspect to that. Yeah. Not the movie Urban Legend, like <laughs> I'm referring to an actual urban legend. Yeah, but it, agreed. It's, it's, uh, yeah, I really love that shot for some reason of just her sitting by the pole. and Yeah. Yeah, I felt that, that led up nicely to what was happening after that. Exactly. The idea of, well, they work out the fact that Sam has to die. Yeah. And then be brought back, and that's how you get rid of them. Yep. Fairly clean. They, you know, they come to it fairly cleanly. It's not sort of too contrived. A mm. little bit. But overall, I like that idea. Yeah. And I think it was a solid way of trying to sort of finish it, like saying, well, we yeah, need a way yeah. to finish it. Yep. Which I thought was, was pretty handy. This is where I was, you know, this like is what I was talking about before about the characters. When Kate has her head jammed through a fucking meat slicer, as it's happening, I'm thinking the brother is going to come to her rescue. Yeah. And then it he just never appears and her head just goes <laughs> slicer. And I was like, oh! Why are you, why are you laughing at that? Why are you laughing? It's the maximum overdrive conundrum all over again. You, know, you give me endless I, shit for that and then you start laughing when a, when a beloved character okay. gets her head put on a meat slicer. I'll, I'll get serious. I'll get serious. No, but get, no I get what you're talking get about. Get put mate. through the meat slicer and I kind of went, oh! <laughs> What? Was it a meat slice? I thought it was, uh, oh, it was a bread slice. I don't know. <laughs> Might have been a combine harvester. Oh, yeah, small <laughs> combine. <laughs> um, and then Simon runs out seconds later and just cops an axe in the head. And I was like, shit. Yeah, I'm yeah. Like, yeah what? I was expecting this group to survive. Yeah. In full. Yep. So they'd done such a good job to create characters that you gave a shit about and that the expectation in my mind is they will all survive. Yeah, well, that's when, when we were getting there, I was like, I really hope they do survive, even though that would kind of be disappointing in a way because you don't get what you're expecting. You don't get the kills or the, the sequences that you're expecting in a movie like that. So, yeah, it was, again, I think it they'd done it so well that you, you did give a shit about what happened to them. Yeah. The last one for me was the cliffhanger. So we move into see Berman rings back. Yep. And goes, no, 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 he didn't kill him. Like, yes. you know, it's got nothing to do with you, nothing to do with any of them. There's a puppet master. Mm. And then what's he gets possessed and attacks, attacks Dina. Yep. And I like that. Again, it was a solid way of keeping me. Hooked, yeah. To finish up, and this is this is where it was like I felt when Sam stabs Dina, I thought that's the end of it. She's done, and I was like, I kind of liked the ending, but I was like, damn, it's real gut punch because you again you like yeah, the like characters, it, yeah. 
But then when she comes down and you get the hand on the shoulder and it's it's actually Dina, and you think, oh shit, she's killed Sam, and now they're going to fall into that trap yeah. that their friends have just fallen into, the shady side, you know, the 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 class kind of thing's going to come into it again. Hmm. But again, nice little nice little turn of events that she's just restrained her. Yeah, not sure the not sure the phone cord's going to cut it. No, <laughs> but I did like that she she restrained she her, killed her, killed her, yeah. and we're going to move forward from this and try to resolve the situation. I got three characters that I am invested in now, mm. and although the movie is going back in time, I know it's going to add something that we are going to we're try come to back save to it all these characters. So yeah, I'm digging that. Yeah. I'm digging that. Fair enough. Anything else in your mind? Yeah, I like the handling of the characters, the the the, the two characters that died. Yes. Where they start the rumours and whatever. Oh, it's a yeah, little yeah. bit of the commentary on and it. And how right? the copper like says, "This is what they're going to say. They're going to say. say about your friends." And now's your chance to. Yeah, and she just kind of has to it. say no. Nah. Yeah, it spits the narrative. She says. Yeah, I and like then that. you know the the brother on the on the internet again, and how he writes the message that like, no, that's not how it went down. They were they were good people. They were my friends, and I miss them. Like, yeah, I, like I really liked that. I really liked it. So, yeah, that's that's where I felt that last probably fifteen to twenty minutes, probably fifteen last fifteen minutes, really kind of ramped things up for me in terms of the expectation for the next film. Okay. Anything else? Likes? I think we've pretty much pretty much covered it. Okay. Dislikes. The music at times was too in your face. Too much. Yeah. Not just the the soundtrack. One sequence in particular where Sam and Dina are having a, a, a argument about the break of their relationship and there's a punch-up going on in the field. Yeah. The music is just all over it. Like, <laughs> I couldn't hear what was being said. Yeah. And I'm like, you got to back that down a touch. I mean, Jesus. It happens again later. They they kind of ram the music right up into you. Mm. And I thought I felt that, was, that took away from a couple of sequences, which is not good in my mind. Yeah. No, I also felt like it was um, the the soundtracks. I don't know, just having a read online, some people have been really down on this, but there was too many, you know, it's come to be known as the needle drop, right, of the of the, the songs that you know coming in at a particular time. I just felt, yeah, there was a little bit too much. I felt if they had pulled it back by even just two or three songs that you don't use, it's it's better. The other ones work better. Yeah. Because there was a point where there was, choose. there was a point where they were literally just going from one song to the next. I think yeah. it happened. It happened at least once where I was like, "They've just gone. They've just strung songs together here." Yeah, you could have just you could have just used one of them. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it. it, it I took didn't away hate, from some parts. Yeah, it. I didn't dislike it as much as some people did, but yeah, it definitely could have been less is more. Yeah. In this one. This is one thing my wife brought up, and and look, I don't think the movie was really aiming for this. There's not really much suspense in the film for me. It kind of didn't... They didn't really... At no point I felt, you know, the suspense and attention was really there. Yeah, they started with, the with it. three killers. I think they started with it with the with The, the opening skull scene face, probably the opening worked the best on that front. And the skull face one around the house. Yeah, yeah, where he was standing out in the backyard. Yeah, and then in the house. But as you said, they kind of veered from that. They they went away from that. I guess when you, know you found saying? out it was supernatural. Yeah, it, they start. They were starting to focus more on that 
and then tried to build it again later in the supermarket, which but I think it, it was okay. It was okay, it but was it was quick. Yeah, it, was it wasn't really quick. going to work because by that stage we knew who these killers were yeah. and that they were targeting Sam. Yep. And so, of course, there's going to be no tension. Yeah. At that stage, you, you've already walked that off because you've said, well, only Sam, they're only after Sam. They don't, yeah. They're not going to kill anyone else. So I didn't feel like... Like but again, said, I don't think they were really aiming for that. That's not really what they were going no. for, yeah. So so if you're in the mood for some tension, I don't think you're going to Yeah, by it. the time you ended up with the, with the what was his name, Nightwing, yeah. and, and again, forgotten her name, but the Bloody Mary type yeah. girl, they'd already, yeah, they'd sort of passed that by. Yeah. The focus was on how we get them together. We know they're not coming for us. Yeah. So the, by by going for that little twist, they'd kind of bypassed a little bit of that, and then yeah, like we said, the supermarket sequence was which so I quick. felt you probably could have got more out of it. Could have, um, but, could have rung a little bit more. Really, out of it. you weren't going down that route. I actually so felt like perhaps on. before they discovered that, you could have gone for one one to two more kills. Yeah. Of other characters, yes. perhaps. Yes. You well, know, Peter again. They're going very much against. He gets that. killed, but he gets killed kind of randomly in the hospital, and that. Yeah, it was going for a little bit more suspense. It was clear they're going for for a bit more of that, making characters that mean something and count. Yeah, a little and bit I think more. they're also going for fun, rowdy, nostalgic type. Of yeah. Time. So not, not. So again, I, like I look at that, the Peter one, I actually. Sort of probably, solid because well, it, it probably comes up way. in my likes in terms of a sense of timing. Yeah. They just timed it really well. Yeah. They seem to time this shit really well in terms of the reveal of the relationship between the girls, the killing of him. Yeah. They just kind of delivered these things right when you right when you wanted something and just got it sort of kept it moving along. So yeah, it is a dislike for me that, that there was points where I felt like to go full on with that that sort of nostalgic slasher vibe, we probably could have. We probably could have killed killed another character or so. Yes, I believe so. A little bit of fodder. You still um, would have, I still would have looked at the movie and said you didn't really toss anyone to the wolves except that guy, mm. and and given you credit for it anyway. Like, yeah. There are a number of sections where it's too dark. I mean, there are even shots where we're in the middle of talking with people and and it cuts away to another shot, but. I couldn't see anything in the shot because it was so dark. And then they're back there, and I'm like, "Oh, what was that? What were we looking at?" There's a one particular thing where Nightwing's after them in the in the in the woods. Yeah. And the camera's all over the place. It's having like an epileptic fit. Everything's really dark. I couldn't see anything. Next thing you know, they're back in the ambulance, and I was like, "Okay." You know, <laughs> this is part of the reason probably why there isn't wasn't as much tension because Did you you didn't fall asleep for a no, you no, did no. not off for a second. It was <laughs> the middle of the day. <laughs> That, that, it was 6pm plus. That means nothing. Middle of the day is still a good time. As good a time as any. No, no, but I just felt there was, a, there was a couple of times where the direction let it down. Yeah, there wasn't any real sort of standout sequences in that regard in, yeah. in terms of the, the, the chase and slash other than the first one. Okay. Yeah, so I feel like, I mean, on the same sort of token, it's it's the same, it's kind of the same problem is that once we get into that and we get away from that, slasher remake kind of thing then we get we lose some of those elements that we want we lose some of those stalk and slash you mentioned the suspense mm-hmm. um, we lose a bit of that classic stalk and slash we lose the opportunities to catch lengthy sort of chase sequences and stuff like that because they're dealing with the three kick three killers we're bouncing around characters yeah yeah it takes away from it a little bit 
it also adds to the film in a way by doing something different. We yes. spoke about what it does add, the supernatural angle to the film. So getting away from that stuff actually does kind of get towards it. But in that middle section, like I said, it probably wouldn't have hurt to go back to some of the classic stuff that we were expecting. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. I only bring this one up because I just kind of thought it was lame. It was just one particular scene where she's at her locker. Yeah. And then we get a point of view shot of someone coming towards her and then we cut to a guy with a hoodie on and a knife and then he, he just carves R.I.P. into the locker next to her. And I yep. was just like, that was fucking lame. Yeah. Like, yeah. You should have just cut that entirely. It wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth it. No. Like, it was just a kind of a crappy way to kind of showcase, oh, someone might be there trying to hurt her. It felt like, a, again, it felt like nod to, nod to scream, like yeah. the sequence where... They're in the hallway and the guys are running around and Matthew Lillard's loving it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I didn't particularly like that one so much either. No. So this is a, again, it's it's pretty minor, but it just comes into it, the sequence in the supermarket. I mm. really liked that. I liked it overall. But by this point, could we not run another variation of the plan that doesn't involve putting the blood on yourself and putting yourself in harm's way. Hmm. Like, I thought by the time, you know, we, we did one with the mops that keeps them yeah. away from you and probably keeps them away from the girl from a little bit longer. I kind of felt like it just happened so that we could get some kills. A I little feel like they, they displayed some smarts throughout to keep themselves out of danger that they probably could have still... You know, they're looking at it saying, we've solved the issue, but those characters that threw her out into the hallway are still like... Yeah. I want I want to survive. And that was my biggest and probably final dislike. These characters have shown their smarts yeah. throughout, but then your idea of killing her and bringing her back involves an EpiPen? Mm. No. For starters, that's not going to work. Secondly, you brought an ambulance. You'd have a defibrillator, yeah, defibrillator I thought, in it. As soon as I heard which that. Which I thought, perfect. I thought, you know, exactly. It's going to be something it. to do with the ambulance. Mm. I actually thought they're going to keep her on the move yes. in the ambulance. That wouldn't have been a bad idea. So, But to add to that, they then pivot partway through because the pills aren't taking hold quickly enough and drowned her. Mm. And then you're, you're thinking is we put the EpiPen... You can't get the water out of her lungs, you fuckwits. Yeah, like yeah. that the whole that whole sequence felt like padding because it was like why even bother going to the drowning? You could have still yeah. had the tension of them charging at them and all that. Well I thought they were with I the mean, pills. All these other things. I was thinking they're not gonna get the body temperature down so they're gonna take her into the freezer or something yeah. like that. Like I thought all these other things and it just yeah, the, what was what delivered they, was kind of Lazy, yeah, almost. and I think I gave it more of a pass because it was pretty quick in in terms of. I guess my thinking is, I mean, there are so many smarter ways to do it, and I mean, carbon monoxide would well, have been the first thing you could do. But the thing, you know, the, the, obviously, these are kids trying to kill someone and bring them back to life. So you give it, you give it some credit for that. It's not going to be. The... But stick with the pills. I was okay yeah, with the yeah. pills. I was, I was. The idea of the pills, pills was fine because. All it is is you die, and then you just need to be Well, I actually thought they're going to stick with this plan, and it's going to fail, and they have to get her outside, and then they realise, yeah, we're in an ambulance with the DF. I thought that's that's what we were... Yeah, and that could have really worked well. Um, but, yeah, I just... For me, it was the putting the blood on your body. 
I get, you know, you've forged this friendship now, so you're all you're all putting yourself in the line. But previously, you came up with this plan to keep yourself out of it mm. and to keep them, you know, you knew you weren't in danger. So, I mean, it raises the stakes that they're in there, but you, you could have done that some other way too. You could have had her fucking cut herself and splash blood on them again or something. Like, I just felt like of all the ways to put them back in danger... You just basically regurgitated what you'd already yeah, done. Yeah, I just felt like that part didn't go for me. Yeah. So, and I mean, it's pretty big. It makes me think, you know, maybe I should have stuck with the three and a half. But <laughs> I've still got that. I've still, still got that. You know, I would have kept my run of snake eyes. Snake eyes. Yeah, you're in a snake eyes mood. <laughs> but I could have. I, I just can't shake this this enthusiasm for the ones that are coming. Yeah, okay. That's fair. That's fair. That was my last dislike. Yeah, I didn't have any... I just found that a little bit to, to, to sort of dull the excitement of the last 15 minutes. Yeah, and that was fair enough. I, I certainly saw that as well. I just felt like, you know, it's not going to be... It's it's hard to say. You, 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 want to, you want it to be well written and whatever, but you still want these characters that you feel they've constructed these pretty good characters that have made pretty smart decisions for the most part. Yeah. I just felt like once you got there, it was a little bit of uh, it follows, like where the end of it is is the part that lets you down. And you know the 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 talk from it follows was always the director saying, "Hey, these are kids. It wasn't supposed to be a genius plan." Yeah, but it <laughs> takes felt the like excitement out of the end. It takes away from them because they had been smart before that. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. But yeah, that, that that's it for me. Because that was Fear Street Part One. Excitement uh, level for for next one. Three it's dicks, high. two dicks. It's, it's high. It's, oh. man, with, man, with, man with probably three dicks. I'm not going to sort of push to the five and six dick <laughs> area, but I am still excited. Okay. I am still yeah. excited for this. Yeah, film. I'm pumped. I uh, feel and I like, love the fact that it's only five, uh, seven days away. Yeah, I feel like for us, it could. This the second one is where it's like, this is the one that we want to be really good. Yeah. Because this one stinks of Friday the 13th. Yeah. And we haven't had a Friday the 13th film yeah. for 10 years. And like I said, this challenge is part of the intrigue for me is like we're going back in time to what should be a simpler streamlined film with characters, you know, character tropes and whatnot that are simpler, mm. broader strokes. Yeah. Yet they've already kind of they've already kind of made really good characters. They're already teasing us that this is going to expand on the mythology of this witch. So I'm like, interesting challenge. But yes. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. Really excited too. to see what they're going to do. All right. Find us on Podomatic, iTunes and Spotify. Send us an email at thrillme at iinet.net.au or on Facebook at Thrill Me Podcast Australia and at Podomatic at thrillme.podomatic.com. We're also on Instagram at thrillmepodcast.au. Make sure you rate and review us on iTunes and Podomatic to help sort of spread the word. As I said at the start of the episode, we've had to push John Wick back an extra week, which I know will disappoint some people because quite a few people are interested in hearing what we've got to say about John oh, Wick. Look, just fucking, just, just chuck them out there, mate. Don't even wait the week. Okay, just boom, throw boom. a few days, bang, bang, one boom. after the other. Yeah. Just like uh, a John no, Wick action a, scene. We've got a couple of interesting ones coming. Mm. I don't know if I want to spoil that at this stage. No. One, one in particular that Maddie's coming. 
Yeah, yeah. With, which, quite frankly, I'll, I'll put it this way: it could have thunder and paradise type yeah, of. Yeah, uh, I feel like it could. Can I also just mention that when Maddie first um, first told me about it, he said, "I watched a uh, Nick Nolte movie the other day." And I said, "Oh, really? What was it called?" He told me the title. I could not find it anywhere on Nick Nolte's uh, IMDb. It's because it was Gary Busey. <laughs> <laughs> Maddie came, <laughs> film aficionado, knowledgeable of all actors. <laughs> <laughs> so, look, keep keep your ears out for those ones because they should be really good. But until next time, take it easy, and we'll catch up with everyone later. Cheers. Find the podcast at Podomatic or on iTunes. Don't forget to rate and review. Like us on Facebook at Thrill Me Podcast Australia or contact us at Thrill Me, all one word, all lowercase, at iinet.net.au.